Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Read it with me. Ready? One, two, three. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to ask you this question. I want you to all respond. Is this statement true? I want to hear it again. Is this statement true? Absolutely beyond the shadow of a doubt, true. Then let me ask you the next question. When does it happen? Really? How many of you here came tonight with needs? How many of you here have a need in your life? How many of you, even if you didn't come up for prayer tonight, how many of you have a need? Okay, now don't sit there shocked to say, would Pastor go off his rocker tonight? I'm taking us somewhere. Turn to somebody and say, tonight's all about needs. Turn to the other side and go, it's a very needy night. Listen up, because I've got to move quick here. I've got an hour and a half message to do in 29 minutes. Need is what causes nations to go to war against nation. Millions have died through the centuries because one group of people had something another group needed enough to spill blood in order to get it. Need causes people to leave their homes and loved ones and spend 8 to 12 hours a day busy doing something most of them hate so that money is earned to purchase the things that are needed for life. Yes or no? We see that need did not become an issue for man until after sin came in this world. I'm going to say it again because you need to get this. Need did not need to be addressed until after sin became an issue. There was no unsupplied need until Adam and Eve sinned. Now, I'm not saying this to condemn them. Sorry, guys. At that point, what you need to understand, which many Christians do not fully grasp, is at that point when Adam and Eve decided to turn on God, curse came upon the earth. Your problem is not with the person next to you. Your problem is not the person that you live with. The problem is not your in-laws. The problem is not your boss. The problem is you live on a planet that is still under the curse. That is the, that is the problem. So we need to find the cure of this issue of curse. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, Then Adam said, Then to Adam God said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. Now that's a problem when the ground is what you depend on to bring you food. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it. So if toil is a result of the curse, then that means that before the curse came, there was no toil. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, which tells us that before sin came into the world that brought curse, there was no thorns or thistles. 
No ragweed. Probably they never probably sneezed. <laughs> you shall eat the herb of the field, which obviously tells us that before that, they must have been eating something else. Verse 19, in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return, which tells me that before the curse, they ate bread with gladness. They weren't supposed to die. Just because they were taken out of the dust did not mean that we had to automatically turn back to dust. In other words, God was saying to Adam, Adam, listen to this now. The way you turned on me, the ground which used to supply what you needed has now turned on you. Did you catch that? In other words, the system, Adam, that I set up for your supply, for your provision, so that you could live life carefree, has now turned on you because you turned on the one who created it. It's going to get better. When our relationship, when I say our, I'm talking about mankind. When our relationship with our creator changed, the world he created for us changed. Struggle would mark the life of man until the curse is finally dealt with. In the meantime, in the meantime, faith in God would be the only way to circumvent that struggle. You and I must live by faith. God says it all throughout the scriptures. My just ones shall live by faith. And in one translation, it says in one particular place, I believe in the book of Habakkuk, my just ones shall live by their faith. Faith has been given unto you to subdue the curse. If you choose not to operate in faith, even though you're born again, even though you might have the Holy Spirit, just you're filled with the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues all day long. If you do not operate in faith, just because you're going to heaven does not mean that you will not endure the consequences of the curse on this earth. Are you listening to me tonight? You get a hold, let me tell you something, okay? You get a hold of this tonight, your life is going to change drastically. Your ground is going to change drastically. What do I mean by that? The thing that God has assigned to your life to produce, whatever that is, if it's a career, a profession, a gifting, a talent, a creativity, whatever that is, has got to be released from, has got to be taken out from under that curse or it will not produce. And the only way to break the curse off your life is by faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have got to learn how to live by faith. You have got to. And let's keep saying you. People say, you're just putting everything on us. Yeah, because God puts everything on us. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. Now faith. Now, I don't want to go there yet. Hold on, I don't want to go there yet. I want to go back to a statement I made. When our relationship with our creator changed, listen to me. I've been doing this for 21 years now. I know 
when there's a certain anointing on me for certain things. What does that mean? I know when there's a specific power or gifting of the Holy Spirit that's on me for specific things. And I'm telling you right now, I right now am under the anointing to teach. But that will be worthless for you if you don't receive it that way. Okay? Jesus taught constantly, and a lot of people's lives never changed. Why? Because they didn't receive it. He said, be careful how you hear. All right? Are you getting this? When our relationship with our creator changed, the world he, cre- he created for us changed. We know that. It said, thorns and thistles, the ground's cursed, all this other stuff. Struggle would, would mark the life of man until the curse is finally dealt with. And when I read that before, I know my gut, some of you said, well, we've already been dealt, that, that curse would have been dealt with. Jesus took upon himself all the curse of the law. Yes or no? Yes or no? So, so Jesus took upon himself. So the curse of the law has been dealt with, right? But the curse of sin has not been dealt with. The results of sin are still on this earth. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. We have not yet been redeemed. Let me put it to you this way, because when some of you, when I said sin, you went, oh, that doesn't sound right. Watch. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law, yes? yes? Okay. Remember we talked about this last week, Deuteronomy 28, all that stuff? All those curses that were supposed to come on us came on Jesus so that we would... So in other words, Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14 is ours now because Jesus took 14 through 66. Go read it, okay? Now watch this now. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Come on, guys. There's no use to be going on if you're not getting this. We've redeemed from the curse of the law, but we have not yet been redeemed from the curse of the fall. Why? Your garden still makes weeds. Your roses still have thorns. There's viruses, there's bacteria, there are bugs, there are all kinds of diseases that, are still, that still have free reign on this planet until a Christian stands up and goes, no, that's it, you're done now. No more. Poverty still has power on this planet until a Christian stands up and says, oh, no, 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 no. No, my Father in heaven, he delights in the prosperity of his servants. Jesus became poor so that I would become rich. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, 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 faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith has substance. Faith, you can feel it, you can touch it, you can handle it. And it's only when you can touch something, feel something, know something, smell something, taste something, that's when you can pray, and that's when you receive it. Listen to this one. This is what, this, I'm giving you the download that I got from the Holy Ghost as I'm laying in a chase lounge in my backyard Monday, trying to soak up some sun so this Sicilian doesn't look like a piece of fish. Because we're not supposed to look like. We're supposed to be dark. I identify as Sicilian. I'm not even going to go there. Now listen to this one. Listen to this one. Oh, it's so stinking good. I wish I knew this 25 years ago. Faith brings into reality. Remember we said faith is the substance, right, of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith brings into reality the thing that the curse is wanting to withhold. Did you catch this? 
So now, let me ask you a question. If you're not operating in faith, then what can the curse do? Withhold. Withhold. Faith neutralizes the curse for those who believe and have come into a restored relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Faith is your inheritance. Faith is your heritage. Faith is the language that we're supposed to speak. Faith is the thing that gets us up in the morning. Faith, faith, faith. It's trusting in God, trusting in God. Not trusting in man, not trusting in your own strength, not trusting in your own abilities, trusting in God. When you get to that place where you're trusting in God, the grace of God comes on you like a waterfall, just floods all over you. Now, let me go back again. So we don't even know we're near getting into the subject here. Back to Philippians 4.19. Read it with me again. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches, where? In glory. By who? Christ Jesus. Again, I'm going to ask you this question. Don't answer because you don't know the answer yet. I just want you to ponder this. When? When? When does this happen? When does this happen? When? Because I know plenty of people that are claiming the scripture. Plenty of people that could recite the scripture. We could all recite the scripture by heart that still have needs. When? Now, I'm not teaching this tonight to diminish the power of the word of God. I want us to see the mechanics of how this is going to work. In order to answer this question, I need to ask you another question. Was God aware of man's needs? Yes. Was God aware of Adam's needs after, after sin came on the earth? Yes. Did he know Cain and Abel's needs? Yes? You're getting weak on me. Did he know Noah's needs? Did he know Abram's needs? Did he know Isaac and Jacob's needs? Did he know Simon Peter's needs? Does he know your needs? Well, the answer to all these are yes. Now, let me ask you this question. Did the provision for each one of these individuals, Simon Peter had needs. Everybody had, Abraham has needs. You have needs. Did the provision for each need show up automatically? No. Just because you and I have needs, watch this now, even though God knows those needs, the provision does not just show up magically. It never does. So when does it show up? Genesis, don't ruin it on me. <laughs> Genesis 15. Watch this. Keep in mind everything I'm talking about here. You're going to leave different tonight if you get this. You're going to go out of this place, you're going to go, get me a devil to beat up. <laughs> Give me a mountain to cast out. Genesis 15, oh my God, this is one of my best favorite verses as it pertains to Abram. After this, I can go to a whole nother teaching because the word after this is there for a reason, right? So you gotta go read chapter 14 to find out after what. Can't go into it now, you read it. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Now remind you, he's still, right now he's still calling, he's still called Abram, Abram. It's not called Abraham yet. I think I gotta teach on the blood covenant again. Maybe, maybe sometime before the end of the summer. 
Okay, so here's what the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, in a vision. So he's seeing something. He's seeing a being, an entity that is speaking to him. Do not be afraid. Obviously, the first thing God had to say to Abram was not be afraid because obviously when you come in contact with him, it's a scary thing. Oh, me and, me and God are just like, we're pals, you know. I just, no, you don't understand, Pastor. I get in his presence and I just sit on his lap. If you really, and I, you and I really got in the presence of God, there's one place you're going to be. It's your face on the ground. So he needs Abram to hear what he's saying. So he says to him, don't be afraid. I know this is freaking you out. Don't be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. Oh, my God. When God tells you he's your shield, what do you have to fear any longer? But Abram said, sovereign Lord, now here comes the need. What can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus, a stranger, an employee. But Abram said, and Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Verse 6. When is the provision going to come? When is Philippians 4.19 fulfilled in your life? When you do what Abraham did. Verse 6. And Abram believed the Lord, and he, the Lord, credited to him as righteousness. Abram's got two needs that need to be addressed here. Number one, Abram has need of a savior. Someone to bring Abram back into right relationship with God who will then suspend, watch this now, who will then suspend the curse over Abram's life so that he can prosper once again. Second need, Abram is need of a son. Someone to fulfill God's promise. When did the provision for the need come? When did the process begin? When Abram believed the Lord, and he, the Lord, accredited to him as righteousness. He, God Almighty, took notice that Abram had faith in what he said. And when, he had, when, when Abram declared his faith in God, then God was able to break the curse that's on the rest of the planet off of Abraham's life, and Abram became very wealthy, very prosperous, very influential. Every place he went, he ruled the situation. And ultimately, his son shows up on the scene. When is Philippians 4.19 going to get fulfilled in your life? When you begin to believe God and really believe God. Not somebody, yeah, you know, I'm just trusting God. No. Where is the evidence? Where's the evidence? See, because if you're saying you believe in God, you're not going to allow the circumstances that are a product of the curse to determine how you live. Are you listening to me? You say you're trusting God and you walk around with your puss down to the floor. Where's the evidence? Now, don't take this as condemnation. I'm in it too. 
Let's take this as self-awareness tonight. Because every once in a while, we need to do a checkup to make sure, am I in faith? Or am I in assumptions? I told you about the situation that happened. I don't have time for stories. I'm in it now. I guess it was about a year ago. I started having a kidney stone attack again. Now, years before, I would have stood against it. I don't know what I was thinking. I said to my, oh, go on, take me to the hospital. I know, I, know, I know what I'm feeling. I know what's happening. Get over it. It was like 11 o'clock, 11.30 at night. You remember? The last time it happened. We walk in, go to the desk. What's the problem? I'm having a kidney stone. Well, we'll see. No, trust me. I'm having a kidney stone. I know what it feels like. All right. What's your name? Blah, blah, blah. Give me your insurance card. Because, you know, God forbid if they help you before they get the insurance card. So, so she puts the, the thing on my hand. I go sit down. My wife goes to park the car. While she's out parking the car, I'm sitting in the waiting room by myself. Nobody's around. And I swear it was like a voice, like just like, what are you doing here? And I went, what am I doing here? What am I, what, what, why, why am I falling for this? And I grabbed my back, and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you've got to stop and you've got to come out. She comes in from Parks of Christ. Come on, let's go home. <laughs> we mean, let's go home. I said, it's done. It's taken care of already. I should have did this when we were home. I, I forgot. Why? Because sometimes we forget who we are. We forget what we have. We forget our inheritance. We forget what we've been given. We forget that Jesus hung on the cross and suffered and died so that you and I could operate in faith that would break the curse off of us. She said, but, but you had the band on your arm already. I thought to myself, they're going to charge me anyway. I might as well stay here and let them confirm it. Right? Went for the test, come back. We don't find any kidney. Of course you don't find any kidney stone. It went back to hell where it came from. <laughs> now, now, please, I'm not, I'm not standing up here bragging on something. I wish I had thought to do it when I was home. But we forget. Abraham forgot who he was there for a little while. He gets panicked because there's a famine in the land. He goes to Egypt, which is like us going to the world for help instead of trusting God, okay? And so while he's there, now because he's messed up and he forgot who he is and he forgot who his God is, he forgot that God introduced himself as El Shaddai, the self-all-sufficient one. And so now he's got to connive and lie and manipulate. And he said, no, that's not my wife, that's my sister. So the, he figures, you know what? They see how gorgeous she is, they're going to kill me and take her if they know that's my wife. But you see, if it's his sister, it's a different story. What puzzles me is that she went along with it. Is any of you women today would have went, you see this shoe? I'm your who? So, so, but that's what happens, you see? When we forget who we are, oh, I gotta finish this tonight. 
when we forget who we are, we start operating like we're still under the curse. Oh man, this is thinking good. This is good. Because there is no better place to be than trusting God. Faith in God makes all the difference. First Kings. I'm gonna need a I'm gonna need something up. Well, either that I'm gonna need somebody to come and hold it. Uh, you wanna come up? Come on. I wanna get done tonight. Come on. <laughs> Come here, come here. Are we taping this? Are we recording this? Oh, my God. <laughs> First Kings, we got an amazing story of two people in need and their faith in God. First Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Elijah, the Tishbite, in other words, Elijah who comes from Tishba, of the inhabitants of Gilead, particular region of Israel said to Ahab, Ahab was a very wicked, wicked, wicked individual. He's the king of Israel. As this is what the prophet of God comes and says to the leader of the land, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Man, I would love to have that kind of power. (laughs) Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Pereth which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens, you know where ravens are, right? Birds, filthy, disgusting predator birds that eat dead carcasses. It's so comforting when God sends you a raven to bring you something. (laughs) And it shall be that you should drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens, the filthy, disgusting birds, to feed you, to feed you, say it with me, to feed you, there. So if Elijah doesn't go there, there's no water to drink, there's no meat to eat. Yes or no? Did God know that Elijah had a need? Come on, guys, don't get weak on me. Did God know that Elijah had a need? Why? Because he's got to live under the same conditions now that he's declared over Israel. No rain. There's no rain in agricultural society. Guess what? You don't eat. Did the water and the meat just show up? Yes. Uh, come up. Brian, come up here with this. I knew this was going to happen. You pulled me up. Thanks, son. Love you. All right, you're going to start too here. Put it over here. (laughs) Come on, I got to get done here. Here's my point. Elijah had to take action to show that he believed God or the meat and the water does not show up. Well, I just believe... And forgive me, I'm, you know, if I'm stepping on anybody's toes here. Uh, I just believe, you know, God knows what I need. Yeah, He knows what you need, and it's not what you think. You don't need the provision; you need faith. Faith will always be. see. If you had the provision, 
and now all of a sudden that crisis is gone, guess what? You're going to face another one next week. But if you get faith, they can just keep coming like a conveyor belt. It doesn't matter. You just keep defeating them. Come on, you know it's true. So he went and did according to the word, Lord. He went and stayed by the brook Kareth, which flows into the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while, here comes the next crisis, that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So Elijah once again is in need. God once again knows that he's in need. So, and then, oh man, I need to do this teaching again too. When you and I pray, we don't get, when you and I pray, we don't get the provision. We get instruction. And the instruction, when you follow it, brings what? The provision. So what does he do? He still needs meat. He still needs, he still needs water. So here comes the instruction. Verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, all the way up in modern-day Lebanon, right on the Mediterranean coast, and dwell there. But sometimes seasons change in your life. The cloud picks up and goes, and you stay there. And God knows what I need. God knows what I need. God knows, yeah, God knows what you need, but he's not going to give it to you there because he needs you to get into that other season. He needs you to go there, okay? See, I have, now watch. First he commanded the ravens. And because Elijah was obedient to that instruction, (laughs) now he's going to get instructions he's going to eat, not from a filthy, dirty bird. Watch this now. Arise and go to Zarephath, blah, blah, blah. See, I have commanded. I have commanded. Is that past tense? Come on, yes, come on. I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Where is the provision going to be? There. Where who is there? Who's there? The widow. Verse 10, you okay? Come over here. So he arose. He arose and went to Zarephath. Now, he, he went to the brook when God told him to go there. Now, God's telling him, now, now you, you did that good. Now, go to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water. Water, there's, there's no rain. Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, <laughs> I could picture this whole thing. As she was going to get it, he goes, uh, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she's like, that's enough now, I'm done. Because this guy's got enough nerve. I don't know him. I don't know his parents. I don't know where he came from. I don't know what he does. He dresses funny. He's got a weird name. I don't know who this guy is. And you got the nerve? Imagine if she would have found out the drought to begin with. So she's like, no, that's it. I'm done now. Water, I can see, but now you want bread, okay? So now she makes the great declaration. So she said, as the Lord, your God, because she's not a Jew, she's from Zarephath, as the Lord, your God, lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, and a little jar, and a little oil in a jar. Come on, will you please? And a little oil in, you're making me lose my place. And a, little, and a little oil in a jar, and see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I might go in and prepare for myself and my son that we may eat and die. Whoa. Mighty woman of faith. 
She's, we're going to go. This is it. We're done. A little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. I'm going to put it together. Me and the kid are going to eat, and that's it. We're dead. And this is who God sends this man to to get provided for. But now watch this now. She's getting set up for a major miracle. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it. And you got weak in the most best point. Make me a small cake from it. Why? Because God wants to be first. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And now time just stops. And she's got to process this and make the decision. Do I listen to this crazy old man? Or do I, do I not risk this and feed me and my, and, my, and my son? Thank God. Verse 15. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household. So this is a wealthy lady. She's got servants. She's got employees. But you notice she wasn't worried about the servants and employees. She's only going to make a piece of bread for her and her son. The rest of them could. Watch this now. Listen to me. I know we're laughing and it's nice and it's cute and everybody likes Brian up here. But listen to me. Watch this now. Watch this now. Something, are you catching this? Something had to leave her hands before this could get filled up and this could get filled up. What caused her to take this risk? What caused her to take this risk? Faith. Unless something leaves you, the provision cannot be released to you. Are you you getting this? Pastor, what exactly are you talking about? Faith. And sometimes it could be words, a declaration of you saying what you believe and you're sticking to it and and your life now becomes a reflection of that. It could be something. This woman had to literally take two material things. She had to take the flour out of here, the oil out of here, mix them together, make some kind of a pancake. And you notice she doesn't have enough oil to fry them. She's going to have to roast it now. She, got to, she, she had to change to accommodate what God had spoken through this man. You need to follow the instructions that the Lord has revealed to you. Okay? Now watch this. Is it a one-time miracle? No. But now, now, mind you, and I know we're going to have to wrap this up real quick, so listen close. Every morning, she has to get out of bed and decide if she's going to have faith or is she going to collapse this day. Why? Because, because every day she has to go by faith. Turn around here. By faith, every morning she's got to go. I trust you, God. You did it yesterday. You did it last week. You did it last month. It's there. Good, it's there. Every day she had to go. Now I can't pour this out. Do I have a cup or anything? We don't need a cup. Yeah, there's oil in it. I could anoint you right here. Well, are you getting the point? Every day, every day she had to use that faith. Every day. And there's sometimes that God will put you in the place that every day you got to trust him for something. 
Because every day you're bringing glory to God. Every day you're demonstrating that faith. Every day you're going, uh, no, I guarantee you, she finally got to the point where he goes, I don't need to look, and I know it's there. Go get me a cup of flour. Go get me a cup of oil. The provision. Let's go back to Philippians 4.19. We're going to wrap this up. I, can't, I didn't finish it, but I'm giving you enough tonight. Watch this now. Again, we're right back to where we started. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When? When you and I begin to display faith in God. Whether, whatever God tells you to do. If God tells you, once you go down the street, wants you to bake a chocolate cake, wants you to bring it to so-and-so's house. That's an instruction. I want you to pray. That's an instruction. You have a need? What are you planting to prove to God? And really, you're not proving to him because he already knows. What are you planting to prove to yourself that you truly are trusting God? What are you planting? What are you planting? What are you planting? You can go. Thank you. What are you planting? Are you just sitting there and just saying, yeah, God's going to take care of me? Yeah, God wants to take care of you. But God has given you instructions on how to release what he's already promised you in this life. Why do you continue going through life? Yeah, you're going to go to heaven because, you see, you displayed initial faith in Jesus Christ when you came to the point to say, I believe this. I believe that he, I believe he's real. I believe he is the son of God. I believe he did die on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe this. And guess what? Your faith that manifested what? Salvation. Yes, amen. Thank you, Lord. And we're good with that. We don't have a problem with that. But then after that, we're like, I'm just a weak old worm in the dust. I don't deserve anything. Or you go the opposite end. I'm a child of God. God's going God's to take care of all my needs. When? When? When you believe. That's why, that's why, I don't know if you've seen this throughout, I mean, I've been in this now 30-something years, forget, 34 years I think it is. Yeah, 34 years. And this is what I have observed throughout those 34 years, that sometimes brand new believers get answers to prayer that others who have been in this thing for decades are still waiting for because they understand and still remember the reality of the faith that they operated in that took them out of darkness and brought them into light. Let me tell you something, okay? There is no expiration date on faith. You have got to continuously be walking by faith. And the more you go along with God and the bigger the challenges get, guess what? The greater the faith is going to be on the inside of you. But you have got to operate that. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. Your mountain has got to hear your voice. Are you catching that? Remember this as you leave tonight. Faith breaks the curse that is trying to withhold things from your life. If you will operate in faith, if you will begin to, to, whatever it is, begin to just trust God. Begin to speak that you're trusting God. Begin to walk like you're trusting God. Begin to conduct your life like you really are trusting God. You watch what gets released into your life. Amen? I hope this has been a blessing to you. Maybe sometime in the future I'll preach the whole thing and we'll get some more out of it. Amen? Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.